second song this morning. The the tag that was used, if he watches over the lilies, if he watches over the sparrows, how much more does he love you? How much more does our Father love us if he watches every every wing that a sparrow has, if he makes sure that it functions properly, if he makes sure that the lilies can die in the wintertime and then come back in the summer. If he can do that, what can he do for you? And what can God do for you? He's our provider. We're not our own provider. Our mom and dad aren't our own provider. Our job is not our provider. Money is not our provider. Health care is not our provider. Our Jesus, our God is our provider. Our God is our provider. That's how much he loves you. That's how much he loves you. God, you are enough. Just begin to speak that out. If you, worship team, could you just start playing just a little bit? Just, just begin to speak that out. God, you are my provider. God, I believe that you are my provider. I believe that you are my provider. I don't need to go to a doctor for answers because, God, I believe that you've already healed me. God, I don't need to worry about that raise next week because, God, I believe that you are my provider. You see me through and through. My finances, my family, my health. In Jesus' name, God, I believe that you are my provider. You will provide for me in this season where I'm not sure that I'm going to make it. But, God, you will make sure that I do. Our God is our provider. There is not a worry in the world that the God that our God doesn't know about. He's already looked at us and said, "I got you. I got you. Don't worry. I got you. He's got you, Jesus. He's looking over you. He has got you. He's got you." me to ride a bike and he took the training wheels off I couldn't have been more scared if he's following behind me he's got the back of my bicycle seat and says I got you son go just pedal I got you that's what our father God in heaven does for us he's got our back of our seat our little bike and he said I got you just go that watches over the lilies, that watches over the sparrows, that watches over everything on this earth. But how much more does he love you? How much more is he watching over you, his own kids?
Father God, thank you for this morning. Lord, thank you that you got us. I thank you that we can have our confidence in you, Father God. Whenever everything else seems to fail us, God, we know that you will not. Your love never fails, God. Your love never fails, God. Thank you so much for a love that never fails. For a love that gives us second chances. A love that makes sure that we are taken care of. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen. Well, if y'all would, go ahead and turn around. Tell someone hello. Thank you, guys. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Kev. Thank you, Dustin. Thanks for giving me a moment to dry my eyes. I appreciate it. Um, man, don't you love our worship team? Let's give them a hand clap. I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of that team. Uh, I, it's a it's a blessing to be a part of the worship team because I get to be around some of the coolest people and people that are passionate in worshiping and following God. I'm so, so thankful for that. We have an awesome worship team. Well, this morning, before we get into everything, it is the first of the month, and that means that we have a tithe message. I know that that probably made y'all clench up a little bit. Release the crease in your seat. Don't worry, because Haley has an awesome word for us on tithing. And... I'm not going to take up much more of her time, but tithing, you can't afford not to tithe. Tithing will turn stuff around for you. I know that it has for me. Uh, Whenever finances are looking slim at the end of the month, I don't know how it happens, but God provides and he sends a check or he gives you discounts at the store. (laughs) So with that, Haley, would you come on up, please? Good morning. Good morning. How is that for a transition into a tithe message though? Like he provides, right? That's awesome. Well, good thing is you didn't take my time because I talk really fast. So try to keep up. So, uh, I talked with Pastor Nolette a few months ago and she, I chatted with her a little bit about the new house that my husband and I just bought. And she was like, you know, Haley, God did a lot of really cool stuff now. I'd really like you to share it. And I was like, well, Can you say no to a pastor when they ask you to do something? So I was like, all right, fine, we'll share it. So about three years ago, so my husband and I really decided we need to be better about being very intimate and dedicated to our tithe, not out of a feeling of obligation, not out of a feeling of like, well, we serve at the church, so like we should probably tithe, right? Like that should be the thing that people who serve do. We changed our mindset about that. We changed our heart about it. And we started tithing because we wanted to get that intimacy with God through that tithing. So we did that. Shortly after we did that, though, we felt released and we felt ready to start looking for our forever home. 
we owned our home that we were in. It was in town. And we're like, we want property. We want to do the stuff we enjoy. And we want a home that provides that. So we started the home search process. And if everyone's done that, it's awful. And it's not fun. So it was awful. And it was not fun. We did it for a year and a half. We put in multiple offers. We went under contract. We had our hearts broken because we saw these homes that we wanted. And we're like, this is it. This is what God has for us. And it wasn't. And we're like, what do you mean? Like, there's no way there's something better than this, God. Like, what's going on? What are we doing wrong? What did we miss? But we kept faith in it. We kept tithing and we kept faith knowing he has something for us. And when it comes, we will understand why all these other houses didn't work. So we got that house. It came up on the market. It was within the price range for two poor 20-year-olds, 20-something-year-olds. And... We got the house. And so we're like, wow, this is amazing. Like, how did this happen? We get through the 30 days of closing. It was the easiest process in the world. I was like, I thought buying a house was supposed to be hard. Like, there's no way this could have been this easy. So we got that. And then we get to this house and we're like, okay, cool. We have the house. It had the wish list, but it had so much more than the wish list. So we get there. We got this house and we're like, okay, cool. Thank you, God, for what you gave us. Like, thank you for partnering with us and giving this, this. Because he gave us that easy closing process. He gave us the finances to do this, to keep our old house, make it a rental, get a renter in there immediately, and get the house of our dreams. He gave us a house that was within a church commute. Guys, we were looking as far east as Briggsdale, as far west as Red Feather Lakes, and as far north as above our Cheyenne, Wyoming. I even looked at places in South Dakota. So we had the understanding that we may be leaving the church to find our dream home. But that's not what God had for us. He had us here. He had us planted here, and he kept us here. He gave us acreage that we didn't think we would ever have. It was a pipe dream to get what we got, but he gave it to us because we had faith in him. He gave us, this is funny, don't judge us, he gave us prairie dogs on our own property to shoot at our will. Like, that was awesome. So, amen to that. He gave us the most beautiful light show of stars every night with not an ounce of pollution from a city. With that, he gave us one of the most beautiful things he's ever created, some of the most incredible sunrises I've ever seen in my life, unobstructed from anything. He gave us a made-ready dog pen for our three dogs and a made-ready duck pen for my 18 ducks. That's awesome. And what's really cool is he gave us two families from this church on our road. How awesome is that? And there are two families that we did not previously have a relationship with. We knew them. We did the passing hello, but we didn't have a friendship. And now we have that opportunity to build a friendship within this church. How freaking cool is that? So we partnered with God because we wanted to know what he had for us and what we could do with him. And he provided. He gave us everything we could have dreamed for and more. One little small thing he gave me, I'm standing in our kitchen a couple weeks after we bought it, and there's this dead space by a cabinet. I was like, you know what would look really cute there? One of those little rolling butcher tables. Well, then I go to clean out the duck pen, and guess what was in the duck pen covered under a bunch of crap? A little rolling butcher table that fit perfectly in that spot. And so... But it all sounds like, oh, wow, they got that really easy. Like, God really helped them out. And he did. He did so much stuff for us. But it wasn't perfect. We've already unloaded a 30-yard roll-off dumpster full of junk off this property. We have more to go. And we've had to replace major appliances. 
We have more to go. But what's been awesome is not once through this renovation process, through this project process, have we ever worried, will we have enough money to still pay the mortgages and do these projects? He has provided, like Rhett said, at the end of every month, it's still there. The money is still there to do this stuff that we love and to build the life we have dreamed of and prayed for. So with that, what I want to say is, if you're worried that, oh man, 10%, I don't even make 10%. Like, how am I supposed to give it? Partner with him because all he is waiting is for that step, that step of obedience, that step of love and that step of faith to partner with him so that you come 10% and he takes that 90 and he throws it and propels it into something you could never imagine was going to happen. So I just ask that you guys, if you are already doing it, do it because I just can't wait to see what he's going to do for you guys too. So with that, let's pray over our ties and then Rhett can get back up here to do his message. So God, I just want to thank you for this day, for this day to rest and reflect on your goodness. And Father, I ask you to impart into the hearts of everyone under my voice to trust in you, not only with their finances, but with all that's affected by their finances, their jobs, their futures, their homes, their vacations, their pets, whatever it is. Let us get it all, give it all over to you, knowing that through our faith, you're going to multiply and bless that so that we can then can multiply and bless and overflow onto others. We thank you, Lord, for your love, your goodness, your prosperity, and your promise to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good job, baby. Man, that was good, wasn't it? If you're believing for a house, that's a testimony to stand on right there, huh? All right. Well, how's everybody doing this morning? Six of you are doing good. How are y'all doing? There we go. That's more like it. Well, good deal. I'm glad that y'all are doing great. Uh, if I've never gotten a chance to meet you, no, I started off wrong. <laughs> first things first, I would like to bring honor to our pastors of this house. Uh, Mom and dad, they are my mother and father, so I have to honor them anyways. The Bible tells me or I will get struck by lightning as soon as I step out of this church. (laughs) Uh, I want to bring honor to mom and dad. Thank you so much for uh, blessing me with this position and trusting me enough to let me be up here. Uh, I know that mom is in Texas. Hi, mom. Uh, Mom is in Texas, but thank you for building what you have built and letting your kids come and be able to stand on it as well. So thank you. Give it up for your pastors, please. So now back to what I was saying. (laughs) Uh, My name is Rhett Gleghorn. If I've never gotten a chance to meet you, uh, if you're wondering who I am, I have not spoken in probably about six months or so, something like that. Last was back in October, I think. Uh, So that's who I am. My name is Rhett. Um, if you're wondering who I am, uh, I work here at the church. My official title is a uh, creative instigator. <laughs> I like to instigate things, especially whenever it's creative. So that's my job title. I'm kind of the IT guy, graphic designer. Um, I manage social medias, manage the website, stuff like that. That's kind of what fits all in my job role. And occasionally this, um, If you have seen me on stage before, usually I'm standing right here playing an electric guitar. Uh, That is one of my greatest passions in life is music. I love music. I love worship. I love being able to worship. And that's 
a huge part of my life and who I am and what has shaped me into being who I am today. And last but not least, certainly not least, this is probably the most important thing, is my beautiful wife sitting on the front row. Uh, I love her very, very much. I'm so, so thankful for her. She truly is my better half. Um, if you see her, you can obviously tell that. <laughs> She's better looking, got a better personality. I mean, all around my better half. So I'm very thankful for her, very thankful for the family that I married into. I love you all too. Thank you. All right, so let's go ahead and jump into the message today. I'm going to start it off talking about my favorite thing, uh, me. I'm joking, guys. I'm joking. I am starting off talking about me, though. <laughs> all right, well... Uh, any time that dad asks me to minister, it doesn't matter if I know what I'm speaking about. It doesn't matter if I don't know what I'm speaking about or if I've already had something rolling around on the inside of my head and I know exactly how I'm going to lay it out. I still get really nervous. Um, it feels, I was trying to think of the best way to describe it. It feels like my stomach says, hey, watch this, and proceeds to do parkour around the inside of me. <laughs> I mean, it's doing front flips, back flips, back handsprings, cartwheels, whatever a four-year-old does in gym class. I don't know, because I don't have a four-year-old. But I've seen them do just stuff across the front of the church, you know, stuff like that. That's what the inside of my stomach feels like. And I'm sure that whenever he asks me, my dad asks me to minister, I probably give him a look of, I'm scared, I'm nervous, and I might vomit. I don't know. <laughs> look like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> but... It doesn't matter how I prepare for a message or if I got something already in the works or if I start from scratch, I still get really, really nervous on the inside. Like I, I, I start to question like, am I supposed to even be up here? Like that's so scary. I mean, it may seem easy. My wife was telling me and my mother-in-law was telling me last night at dinner, they said, it looks so easy for you. And I'm like, it's not. <laughs> I get so nervous. Uh, even talking over my message with my dad, uh, my neck gets really red and splotchy. It looks almost kind of like hives, uh, but they're not hives. They don't itch. The only time that that happens is whenever I eat and whenever I get nervous. Why it happens whenever I eat, I have no idea. <laughs> I must be nervous to choke or something. <laughs> But I get really nervous, even whenever I'm talking through it with my dad, and I get all shaky, and my voice gets all, uh, my voice cracks, stuff like that. I just get nervous. And I got to wondering, why do I get so nervous? And the reason why is because I don't know if I'm worthy enough to be up here. I don't know if I'm qualified enough. I don't know if I've checked all the boxes, if I've... Uh, if I feel holy enough, or if I, if I am holy enough, quote unquote holy enough to be up here, I wonder if I'm qualified. Thank you, Travis. <laughs> I didn't count on somebody telling me that I was this soon. <laughs> well, the fact of the matter is, nobody has disqualified me. If anybody was going to disqualify me, be my mom and dad after the first time I ministered, they'd be like, you know what, buddy? This ain't for you, man. <laughs> Why don't you stick to playing your guitar? Maybe singing a little bit? Because speaking is not your gig, bub. <laughs> Thank you. Man, y'all are awesome. Thank you. My confidence is up here. 
God hasn't disqualified me either. It's because of God that I'm qualified. The only person who's disqualifying me is me. So I began to wonder, how many other people have this kind of mindset? How many people think, oh, I'm, I'm disqualified from ministry? I'm not worthy enough. I'm not, I'm not good enough to be up here. I'm not good enough to do ministry. So let's go ahead and pray real quick, and then we'll get back into it. Dear Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for getting everybody here safely. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. God, we thank you for your heart for us, God. We thank you that you have qualified us. Thank you, Jesus. God, we ask that today, anything that I say is directly from your throne room, God, that it falls on open ears, open minds, and God, that anything that's not from your kingdom, that it wouldn't even land on anybody's heart, on anybody's brain, that it wouldn't even go into their ear holes, God. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercies that follow us every day. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So before I go any further, I would like to talk a little bit about what ministry is. So what do I mean by ministry? Well, most people probably associate ministry with being in a pulpit or being a pastor, being a missionary, People would associate ministry with that, correct? Well, that's not wrong. You're not wrong by any means, because that is a part of ministry. That is ministry. But there's a lot more to ministry. In the New Testament, the word for ministry is translated as diakonia. I don't know if I'm saying that right because I was raised by an Okie and a Texan, but I'm saying it close enough, okay? If you're a Greek or Hebrew scholar, correct me afterwards. Diakonia, D-I-A-K-O-N-I-A. I can spell though, because it's in front of me. But the word diakonia, which is where we got our word ministry, translates directly to serving. The word diakonia directly translates to the work a servant would do. So, what does that mean for us? It means that whenever we became Christians, we signed up for ministry. If you didn't know that, read the fine print next time. <laughs> Just going to be honest. <laughs> but... That's what we signed up for whenever we became Christians, is we signed up for ministry. If you did know that, if you did read the fine print whenever you signed up for Christianity, you read through the terms and service agreements and clicked agree, and you made sure that you weren't signing away your firstborn child or anything like that, <laughs> then you know that you are qualified for ministry, that you're supposed to be doing ministry. So you might be in here and you might be wondering, well, how do I do ministry? How do I serve people? How do I do this thing that I am called to do that God has gave me a calling for? How do I do ministry? Or maybe you're sitting in here and you're wondering, am I even qualified for ministry? Man, I still sin. I, I'm messed up. I am all sorts of jacked around. I am bass backwards as bass backwards gets. 
if you are in that boat, hey, email, go away. Why are you up? I cannot read my notes. (laughs) If you are in that kind of boat, then that's what we're talking about. We're going to cover some aspects of what qualifies you for ministry. We're going to talk about how to be in ministry. Whenever I started beginning to, to think about this message, I wondered what do people disqualify in themselves? Why do people disqualify themselves in being in ministry? I came up with two. I'm sure that there's a lot more, but I came up with two. Number one is that you're a new Christian and you don't know your Bible through and through. You don't know uh, how to speak Christianese, as people would say. You don't know the lingo. You're kind of new to the game of Christianity. Number two, you are probably feeling guilt and shame from sin, or sin is still something that you're working through. You're just, you, you feel like you are unqualified because of sin or guilt and shame from sin. All these things that you may have disqualified yourself from ministry because of, they're lies from the enemy. Plain and simple, they're lies from the enemy because the enemy is going to do anything that he can to get you to stop ministering and to stop serving. No matter what, he's going to try and tell you that you are unqualified for ministry. If you are saved, then then the devil cannot disqualify you. But he can convince you that you are disqualified. When you came into the family of Christ, you became qualified for ministry. God has put a call on the inside of each and every one of us as Christians to minister. Once we accepted him into our heart, that's just how it is, baby. If you would, go to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you don't know where 1 Peter is, uh, it's between Genesis and Revelation. Zing, gotcha. But seriously, if you don't know where 1 Peter is, uh, it's between Second Peter got you again man y'all need, it, i'm funny <laughs> i'm trying to be funny oh, true people are searching i guess <laughs> all right are y'all at first peter if you're not at first peter we're gonna put it on the screens for you and you can read it up there too so in first peter chapter two we're gonna start in verse nine it says But you are God's chosen treasure, priests who are kings, a spiritual nation set apart as God's devoted ones. He called you out of darkness to experience his marvelous light, and now he claims you as his very own. He did this so that you would broadcast his glorious wonders throughout the world. I'm going to give you all a little bit of a head start. Go to Matthew 5. Can I talk while you all are searching? All right. So in 1 Peter 2... It doesn't say that God called us out of darkness to go into cemetery, I mean seminary, and to get a degree to qualify us. It doesn't say that God called us out of darkness, but he wants us to wait until we have read our Bible cover to cover so many times. It doesn't say that uh, God called us out of darkness, but he needs us to be perfect before we enter into ministry. It simply says that God called us out of darkness to be a light, to broadcast his glory. Right? 
God has called us out of the darkness to combat the darkness that we were in. In Matthew 5, we'll start in verse 14, and we'll go through to 16. It says, Your lives light up the world. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hilltop? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. So don't hide your light. Let it shine brightly before others so that your commendable works will shine as light upon them and they will give their praise to your Father in heaven. God called us out of the darkness to show his light to the world. Whether you think of yourself as a light or not, guess what? You are. You are a light. You've probably been doing ministry this whole time and you've probably not even known it. Isn't that cool? Isn't that a little bit of a pucker factor too? You're like, ooh, I'm not always a light. (laughs) Don't worry, I'm not either. I'm still working. But somebody gasped. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Man, (laughs) that was hilarious. (laughs) I don't know who gasped, but you shouldn't hold me in that high of an esteem. (laughs) Ministry is a lot more than just a pulpit. Ministry is a lifestyle of servanthood. So maybe you're sitting there and you're, you're still convincing yourself, well, shoot, why would God want me to be a witness, to minister, to be a light? Because like you just said, Rhett, I'm not always a light. Yeah, gasp. (gasps) Oh! Well, in Romans 3.23, Paul wrote, it says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Do we, do do, do you know who Paul is? (laughs) Paul before Paul was Paul was Saul. Try that for a tongue twister. Before Paul was Paul, Paul was Saul. (laughs) Paul was known as Saul of Tarsus before he became Paul. Saul of Tarsus was basically a bounty hunter for Christians. Homeboy could have had his own TV show on True TV called Saul the Bounty Hunter. I think that somebody should pitch that because I think that's a great TV show idea. You know, get a big buff dude with a really long blonde mullet, wears sunglasses all the time, talks about brother all the time too. I know who Dog the Bounty Hunter is. I'm just being dumb. Did you know that Saul actually had a theme song? I found it while studying. Uh, the Ghostbusters writer actually ripped it from him. Um, if there's Christians in your neighborhood, who are you going to call? Saul of Tarsus. Bad joke. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I couldn't resist. It was a bad joke. Now you see what my wife has to put up with at home. <laughs> So, yeah, Riata had to put up with it for however many years, 18, 19 years, too. My parents are still putting up with it because I work with them. (laughs) So Saul of Tarsus was basically the dude for persecuting Christians. He'd hunt them down, kill them, do whatever. I mean, he he was having government contracts, basically, to go hunt Christians down. Well, one day Saul gets a contract, and he's going to Damascus, 
And on his way to Damascus, he has an, he has an encounter with Jesus. If you want to go read it, it's in Acts 6. Um, I'm not going to read it for time's sake, but it's a really cool account of what happens. But he, Saul has this encounter with Jesus. And whenever he has this encounter with Jesus, it completely does a 180 on him. He went from being Saul of Tarsus to Paul, the apostle. Train. He went from persecuting Christians to being one of the main authors of the New Testament. Wrote two-thirds of it. Paul, the apostle, who was once Saul of Tarsus, taught us how to be Christians in his books. It's where we get Romans, Acts, Thessalonians, Colossians. I mean, all of these different books of the, of the New Testament that basically are a roadmap to how to be a light. How to be a Christian, how to love, how to forgive, why it's important to do those things. How to be a Christian, how to be in ministry. Paul wrote it. Paul wrote the book on it, literally. If anybody should have been disqualified, it should have been Paul. Wouldn't you agree? But Paul, just by entering into God's family was qualified for ministry. Paul was qualified the moment that he entered into God's family. As Paul said, we all fall short and we all sin. Wouldn't it be kind of crummy if Paul just ended it right there in Romans 3? <laughs> He's just like, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. <laughs> Gee, thanks, Paul. Rubbing my nose in it a little bit. I get it. But no, Paul goes on in verse 24, Romans 3.24. He says, yet, yet, through his powerful declaration of acquittal, God freely gives away his righteousness. His gift of love and favor now cascades over all of us. All because Jesus, the anointed one, has liberated us from the guilt punishment and power of sin. God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, but not only did he die for our sins, he also took our guilt and our shame away with it too. He liberated us from sin, the weight of sin, and the power that sin has over our lives before we accept Jesus into our heart. The devil will do everything that he can to try and take that away from you. The devil's going to do everything he can to convince you your past is more than the redemption that Jesus gave you on the cross. He's going to do everything that he can to convince you you're not qualified for ministry. Don't you remember cheating on your spouse? Don't you remember doing drugs? Why are you qualified? You don't remember your mess ups? You don't remember that you watched pornography last night? You don't remember that... You're searching around to just sleep with somebody. You don't remember that. But guess what? There's redemption through Jesus. Jesus says, you see all of this stuff that you may have done? It's gone. 
I used to see it, but I see it no more. I see you as a creation. I see you as my child because I have washed you. Because I have washed you, you are qualified. Forget what the devil says. You're qualified. You are qualified because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. Because of his death and resurrection, you are qualified. We need to tell the enemy to shut up. Whenever Jesus died, Pastor Darren just got done doing a three-part series on this. It's super good. You should go listen to it. Bless you. You should really go listen to it. It's amazing. Because we have the power to tell the devil to shut up. He starts whispering, Shut up! You don't got that power over me. I got that power over you, stupid. (laughs) That's what we got to do. Whenever the devil starts telling us that we're not worthy enough or trying to bring up our past, we got to tell him, you need to stop because my father in heaven says that I am enough. My father in heaven said that I am enough so much that he sent his only son to die for me. That's how qualified you are. Preaching a whole lot better than y'all are talking. (laughs) I learned that line from my dad. (laughs) Now, this isn't an excuse to say, oh, well, I'm qualified no matter what. I mean, it's not an excuse to say that, that you can keep going on and sinning. We're all working through sin. We're all doing stuff. We're all, we're all trying to get to the point where we are over sin. But because we live in a sinful world, it's a little bit hard, you know. But Romans 12.2 says that we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our minds every single day, Amen. right? Get this, whenever you start working on yourself, whenever you start trying to better yourself, then your light begins to shine brighter. Your influence grows You begin to grow the ministry that is on the inside of you. Now, what if you're in the group that says, well, I'm a brand new Christian. I don't know my Bible. I just accepted Christ last week, man. You're saying that I'm qualified? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. You sure are, bucko. God doesn't call you to be a light once you know your Bible well enough. God doesn't call you to be a light whenever you have a degree in Greek and Hebrew. God doesn't call you to be a light whenever you have read your Bible so many hours, whenever you've read it cover to cover. God doesn't call you to be a light. He calls you to be a light. Hold on, I lost my train of thought. (laughs) God doesn't call you to be a light until you can pronounce every name in the Bible correctly. Most of us would be out of that. I mean, just by that qualification alone. (laughs) How do you say that name? Mephibosheth? (laughs) Jedediah? I don't know. God doesn't have a checklist for us to be qualified to minister. God called you to be a light regardless of what you know. 
regardless of the time that you spend in the trenches, regardless of the amount of hours that you put into reading your Bible, God still calls you no matter what. Again, this is not a uh, pass to say, well, preacher boy said that I don't have to read my Bible. No, I'm telling you, you got to read your Bible. I'm just saying there's not a requirement for you to read so many hours of your Bible to be able to minister. First Peter three fifteen says that we are to be ready to defend our faith at all times. The best way to be ready to defend our faith is to read our Bibles, to be in our Bibles and to know what God's word says about us, about other people and what is going to happen in the future. Right. That's the best way that you're going to be able to grow your ministry as well as by reading your Bible. Because like I said, the Apostle Paul wrote about how to be a light, how to be in ministry, how to love, how to forgive. Paul gave us a handbook and it's all in a Bible. If I had a Bible, I'd wave it. I don't have my Bible, unfortunately. So why is your ministry so important? Number one, you're just called, baby. That's all it is. You're just called. You have a calling on your life that God has put on the inside of you the moment that you became a Christian. But number two is your influence. What do you mean? Well, Pastor Darren and Lynette don't have influence at your jobs. C-Dub and Kersey don't have influence in your families. Pastor Greg doesn't have influence within your circle of friends. But guess who does? Take your finger. Do that. You do. You got influence with other people. You have influence within your job. You have influence within your family. You have influence within your circle of friends. You have influence and you can talk to people that I will never meet. You have influence and you can talk to people that Pastor Darren and Lynette will never meet. You have influence. So I have a quick little story. There was a young man that used to be in our church. And this message was actually inspired by this young man. Um, this young man was a gang member. I don't know how he was affiliated. I don't know how deep he was into it. I don't know uh, what his role was or anything like that. But I just know that he was affiliated with the gang at one point. Well, this young man's mother, who is still a part of our congregation, uh, would pray for him. She'd pray that he'd have a radical uh, encounter with Jesus. And wouldn't you know, this young man came to church one Sunday and got saved. From that day on, this young man began to passionately pursue God, and he began to push into what God's word said. And he began to worship and began to look at what God was saying in the Bible, and he felt a calling on his life. Let me tell you about influence. This young man went back to his gang and started getting them saved. It's amazing. He started to begin to save these people who I don't know have ever heard about God. They weren't in church. I don't think. I can't judge them, but they probably weren't in church. He began to go and minister to the people that he would run around with, and he began to save them. He didn't wait till he went to seminary. He didn't wait till he was so many years into this game of Christianity. He didn't wait until he read his Bible through 
through and through, cover to cover so many times. He just felt the calling of God on his life that he knew that God had called him to ministry. Therefore, he said, I'm going to go. He felt a call on his life, and he went. Very, very unfortunately and very sadly, this young man passed away in a car accident. But because of him, think about how many people are going to heaven now. How many people changed their eternity forever just because this young man was passionate enough to say, I don't care about qualifications. I care about my Jesus being in front of these people and them getting to experience the same Jesus and the same redemption that I got to experience. You have influence. God doesn't have a checklist. Like I was saying, God doesn't have a checklist of things that you have to do in order to be in ministry. He has one checkbox. That one checkbox is, are you saved? Are you following me? Have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? If you have, check. Stamp of approval. You're in ministry. Pastor Chip Brim said something last week, and it kind of scared me because I thought he was going to start preaching my message. And if Chip Brim preaches your message, why should you preach it? (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. That's where I was. I was like, oh, dang it. (laughs) Threw a little bit of a fit. (laughs) No, Uh, he didn't preach my message, but he said something that ties in perfectly with what I was saying. And he said, God doesn't call the qualified. God qualifies the called. Have you all ever seen the Oprah Winfrey show? This ain't, this ain't just rando, nothing like that. We're ready? Here's my Oprah impression. You're called, you're called, you're called, you're called, you're called, you're called. We're all called. That's how it is. We're called. All of us in this room, if we've accepted Jesus Christ, we are called. We have that calling of God on our lives to minister, to serve. God has given us a commission as Christians to go into the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples. He may have not called us to be pastors or missionaries, to go eat bugs in South Africa. (laughs) Thank God I don't want to eat a millipede. (laughs) But there's a whole lot more to ministry than just those things. That's why in our church we push, this is a commercial break by the way, just really quick, I got to say something. That's why we push serving so hard in our church. Because we believe that everybody in this room, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you are called to ministry. Whether you're on the security team, the ushers, the media, the sound, if you're on the worship team, if you're doing welcome, if you're greeting at the front door, if you're serving coffee, you are ministering. Because ministry is servanthood. Servanthood is ministry. It goes both ways like that, man. That's just how it is. We don't call 
our teams, volunteer teams. We don't call uh, them volunteer anything like that because what they are is their ministry. So we call them ministry teams because we believe that you're not just volunteering at a church for an hour on a Sunday. We don't believe you're just pouring coffee. <laughs> Have a great day. Hi, welcome to church. We don't believe that that's all that you're doing. What you're doing is you're doing ministry. You are doing what God has called you to do. You are serving. Whenever I was going through this message with my dad, my dad said something that was very profound. And I want to share it with you. <laughs> what? <laughs> Travis. <laughs> it, <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, dad said something and it made me think, you want to know what he said? Okay. You three get with me after church. I'll tell you what he said. Anyways. All right. Dad wants to know what he said. He's like, Oh gosh, is it going to get me in trouble? (laughs) No. What dad said was preach the gospel. And if all else fails, use words. That was my face. I looked at him. I went, what? (laughs) Sat back in my chair. I began to think. I was like, okay, dad just said something really profound and philosophical. I got to think of a philosophical answer. I got to impress him. (laughs) Papa, will you tell me the meaning of what you have just said? The (laughs) proverb that you just said. Will you tell me, please, alleviate my mind? (laughs) Plain and simple, what that means, I didn't have to ask him what it meant. I just said, Brett, stop being dumb and just think with your regular brain. Not your 1600s child that's part of a parliament kind of brain. (laughs) Papa! (laughs) No, I started thinking about it, and what I realized is that ministry is a lot more than just words. Ministry is your actions, how you carry yourself, how you treat people, what you do in life. And then if all else fails, then you use your words. Your words are secondary to your actions. Somebody got to write that down. Thank you for writing it down. Preach the gospel, and if all else fails, use words. Man, that's good, Dad. That's good. Wish I could put credit to it myself. (laughs) He said, I wish I could too. (laughs) Oh, if you have eyes, plagiarize, right? If there's students in here, please don't do that. You will get kicked out of school. So what can we do in our everyday lives to minister, to serve? Well, there's a lot of things that you can do. So I thought of what's a common thread with everything in ministry, and what's a common thread that you can do while serving. Whenever you're serving and ministering, what's something that you can do? What's a common thread? Boils down to one word, four letters, love. 
If you don't believe me, if you're like, well, preacher boy, what do you mean it's all one word of love? (laughs) What do you mean by that, preacher boy? I'm kidding. Well, I'll tell you, I got some scriptures. (laughs) I'm so sorry, you guys. (laughs) I got some scriptures. I won't keep you that long because my wife likes lunch and I don't want her to be hangry. (laughs) So I got some scriptures that really boil down why love is so important. I'm going to go through them quick, but write down the scripture references. I'll try to go slow so that y'all can write them down. But we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 16, 14. These are all the passion translation because I am my mother's son. First Corinthians 16, 14, let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do. Excuse me. Burped. I'm sorry. (laughs) Let love and kindness be the motivation behind all that you do. Colossians 3, 14. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. First, first Corinthians, first Corinthians 13, 13. Until then, there are three things that remain faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. 1 John 4, 8, and this one stings, man. (laughs) Just being honest. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God, for God is love. The one who doesn't love has yet to know God. Ow. (laughs) Hmm. John 13, 35 For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. I didn't put this one in uh, in the media team email, but I just want to bring uh, light to it. 1 Corinthians 13, the first three verses, that's known as the love chapter. Um, Basically, what it says is that if I preach the word of God eloquently, beautifully, but I don't do it out of love, it's nothing more than the sound of a clinging cymbal. That's rough. (laughs) says if I give to the poor, if I do good works, but don't have love, nobody benefits from it. If all of my actions, everything that I do, do not involve love, It's useless. That's how important love is. Love is the centerpiece of ministry. Love is the centerpiece of servanthood. I'm going to get real for just a second. We're all called to love. I'm tired of people leaving the church because they're hurt or that they don't experience love. 
Whenever I say the church or us, I'm referring to Christians in general, and I'm referring to the Big C Church. Personally, I think y'all are great. I love our church. But I'm tired of people saying that they find more love from bars, bartenders, clubs, the people in clubs, than they are finding in the church. I'm tired of people saying that they seek love outside of the church because the church hasn't shown them love. I'm tired of people thinking that they need to hide their dirty laundry around me, around Christians, because they don't want to be judged. I'm tired of the church's love being conditional. I'm tired of the church saying, I love you until. Love you until you have an abortion. I love you until you cheat on your spouse. I love you until you tell me that you watch pornography. I love you until you tell me that you've done drugs. After you told me what you've done, later, bucko. I'm tired of that. The church's mindset cannot be, I love you until it needs to be, I love you regardless. I love you regardless of your sin. Why? Because that's how God loved me. God loved me regardless of whenever I was sinning. In my sin, when God still knew I would sin, he sent his only son Jesus to die on the cross for me. God told me I love you regardless. So much so that I'm going to give you a way to get to me because I love you that much. The church needs to have love inducted back into their ministry. Mama once said, and I don't know if she got this as a download from God or if she got it from another minister, but either way, it's really, really good. She said, you can only minister to the point of your disgust. So I want you to take just a moment. Where's that line for you? Where's your line of disgust? Don't you think that God loves those people beyond that line? Don't you think that God still loves them regardless if they're past your line? Your line? We need to base our line off of God's line. Because God's line stretches further than anybody could sin. God says, you see this line right here that you've drawn in the sand, and you see the person that's gay, the person that may have slept with another person before they got married. You see the person beyond that line that did drugs? Here's your line. Here's mine. And it keeps going that way forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. God doesn't have a line. He loves everybody regardless of what our line is. What if you're the only chance that that person just on the other side of your line has to hear about God? What if you're the last line of defense before they go to hell. 
before they're separated forever from their father in heaven. What if you're that last person? What if you're the only person? This isn't a message about tolerance. Because God doesn't tolerate sin. But God loves despite the sin. God doesn't see the sinner as a sinner. God doesn't see the sinner with sin. God separates the two. And he sees the sinner instead of just the sinner. He sees them as a beautiful creation that he said, I made you in my image. I sent my son to die for you so that you could spend forever with me. That's how we need to see people. Despite the sin. I love you despite. I love you regardless of what you've done because my father loved me regardless. It's not tolerance, it's love. Love is the heart of ministry. And if you separate ministry from love, it's completely useless. So, I'm going to start wrapping it up because I know that people are hungry. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. And I really want you to listen. And I want you to imagine something with me, please. I want you to imagine if love was the centerpiece of ministry. Just really marinate in that a little bit. What? I imagine if love was the centerpiece of ministry. Okay, y'all can go ahead and open your eyes. Can I tell you what I imagine? Yeah, right. Okay, thank you. When I imagine a church that has love at the centerpiece of their ministry, I see a church that makes disciples. I see a church that their heart breaks for the people who don't know Jesus. I see a church that shows the light of God wherever they go, that their voice changes an atmosphere, that the way that they carry themselves, the way that they act shows the light of Jesus. I see a church that is unashamed in their faith. They will go up to the rooftops and say, you have to know my Jesus because what he did for me, he can do for you. And there's no other way that I want to live without knowing that love of Jesus. I see a church that's united. Whenever unity is so rare, when we're fighting over the silliest things, Did you get the vaccine? No. Well, then I don't love you no more. Did you vote this way? No. Then I don't love you no more. Get away from me. When love is at the center, there is unity. When unity is rare, that's where the church needs to be. Church can't be fighting with itself. The church needs to be unified together. see a church that separates sin from the sinner. 
just like how God did for us, that doesn't see the sinner as a sinner, but as a beautiful creation, said, I'm going to send my son. And despite your sin, I love you enough to send my son to die for all of your sins. I love you. I see numerous people returning to Jesus because we as Christians are representing what Jesus is, what Jesus truly is. Jesus of love, a God of love. Love is the center of ministry. Love is what makes ministry work. And what makes love is what makes the word of God appealing to people who are hearing it for the first time. So, I want to leave you with this. You are qualified. It's because of Jesus' blood that you are qualified. You have a call on your life to be a light, to be a witness, to minister, to serve. You have a call. You are qualified. Be that light. Show people the Jesus that saved you. Show people the love, of, the love of a God of second chances and third chances, fourth chances, hundredth chances. Be everyday ministers of the word and whenever you minister, minister from the heart of love. Let's pray. Dear Father God, thank you for this day. Lord, God, I pray that everything that was said today, Lord, that it landed with people. God, if there was something that wasn't directly from your throne room, let it fall on deaf ears. But God, let the things that need to be heard be heard, Lord. If you're sitting in here right now and you think, I want to be qualified. I want to minister about a God who is loving I want to know what that love is. I'm not going to ask people to shut their eyes. I'm not going to ask people to uh, to keep their head bowed or anything like that because this is something that is to be celebrated. If you are in here and you're in, in your thinking, I'd want to know that love. Would you raise your hand, please? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. I want y'all to look at me. You've changed your future. I don't think you realize how big that is. Because you're now, excuse me, you're not going to spend forever separated from your father that made you and that loves you. Now you get to spend eternity with him. You've changed the course of your eternity forever. Now you get to know what the love of your father feels like constantly. 
says that whenever a child comes home, <laughs> I love this, says that whenever a child comes home, that the angels are singing and dancing. But most importantly, your father is singing and dancing. <laughs> he says, my kids are coming home. Come on. Just like the prodigal son's father, he says, I don't care that you smell like pig poop. I don't care that you got this mess all over you. Come home. I'm so excited to see my kids. You've changed your eternity forever. Man, that's so, so freaking cool, man. I don't know how else to say it. That's just so cool. Man. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I want to say congratulations. I can't wait to spend eternity with you. Knowing what the love of our God feels like. Man, that's good. God, we thank you for everything that you are to us. God, we thank you for showing us that love. God, thank you for giving us that avenue to get back to you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like there's someone in here, maybe it's multiple people, but even after everything that I said, you're still thinking I'm not worthy. I don't know what it is. I don't need to know what it is. But your God still calls you. Your Father still calls you. He says, you are qualified. I don't care what it is. You are still qualified because of my son, Jesus. You are still qualified. You are qualified. I don't know who it is. I don't know where you're sitting. I don't know if there's anybody in here that feels that way, but I feel like it's being impressed upon my heart to say it. I don't know if it's on Facebook Live. But your God still calls you and he still qualifies you. He loves you. There's nothing that you can do to separate yourself from him because he's always one step behind you. He's always chasing after you, saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. I got you. He's always chasing after you. All you got to do is go from this to this, and he's right there. You are qualified. I just want to hammer that home. You are qualified for ministry and for servanthood.